Hello and welcome to episode 66 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapter 16 and 17 from Season of Storms. And there's an interlude in there of course because there's so many interludes in this book. So there's an interlude between 16 and 17 and we'll go through that. It's really short though. Not a whole lot to cover. It's a good one though. It uh kind of angers me to read it. We'll, we'll get into why, but the, there's just some real bias in there. That's mind blowing. So this is the first time that I am recording an episode, I think this month. It's definitely been at least three weeks, maybe four. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and I won't harp on this point for too long because if you're listening to this in the far out future, this doesn't matter at all because you can just listen to these back to back if you wanted to. But I, uh, it's, it's April. It's the end of April, 2023 at the time of recording this. And I knew that April would be a tricky month for getting out podcast episodes, doing my Twitch streams, any other type of videos. Um, the beginning of the month I was home visiting family Then I went to Vegas for my birthday. That was a good time. And then I had a couple of friends in town visiting, so there's a lot going on. It was a, it was a great month. I'm kind of sad that it's over because it's back to business as usual. But one of the nice things is recording this podcast. And um, I think I'm going to have at least three more episodes after this one. So there's 20 chapters in this book. We're going to finish this episode with covering chapter 17. So that leaves us with three chapters plus an epilogue. I'm not going to do the epilogue as its own thing. It's too short to do that. I'll definitely combine that with chapter 20. But I think I might do, I'm not 100% certain about this yet, but I think I might do those episodes or those chapters per episode, like one per episode, um, as opposed to how I've been doing most of this book where I've been grouping them together because a lot of them are so short, but they're actually pretty long. So they can get their own full length discussion. I think that's what we'll do. Uh, I know chapter 18, I was already trying to bone up on that, rereading it, and that one's definitely going to have to have its own its own episode. I'm not sure about 19 and 20, but I have actually finished the book now. I do know how this book ends. And I will say I like the book as a whole, but I think that's all I'm going to say for now because this is not the time to talk about that. But I've, I've mentioned... Probably too many times have been really sounding like a broken record, but I've been I've mentioned a bunch that I this was the only book in the series that I hadn't read before doing the podcast, and uh, well now I actually know how it ends. I know everything that takes place, so that is a fact. As we begin this episode, and we'll begin it now with a recap of what we previously learned in the previous couple of chapters followed by a summary of what happens in this, uh, these two chapters, 16 and 17. And then we'll talk about it way too much. Okay, recap of the last episode. Geralt rather unsuccessfully helped a ship's crew who contributed to the kidnapping and murder of an Aguara's child escape her revenge. Later, we find out that when Geralt couldn't make it in time to find his swords at the auction in Novigrad, Yennefer attended and bought them. In addition to recovering his swords, she got sweet revenge on the man who stole them. Maybe not sweet revenge. (laughs) 
Stinky revenge. All right, summary. After arriving too late in Novigrad to gather any intel on his stolen swords, Geralt returns to Karak and comes across Pinity, the sorcerer from Risburg Castle, who had hired him to deal with a demon believed to be killing people. Pinity updates Geralt on Sorrel Daggerlin, the culprit responsible for all of the brutal killings. Daggerlin will receive only house arrest. Moreover, Pinity gives Geralt his sword and says that he and Harlan Zara have resigned from Risberg, and Pinity is soon to work as a sorcerer in Nilfgaard. With some help, Geralt enters the Citadel where Daggerlin is on house arrest. He kills his ogre trolls and hunchback helpers and discovers that Daggerlin's criminal activities have not ceased. Geralt confronts Daggerlin, who summons a magically bred creation to defend himself, but Geralt emerges victorious, defeating both the Oddity and Daggerlin. So Daggerlin is dead with what we're going to cover in this episode, and that's wonderful news because he is one of the worst villains that has been in this entire book series. He is really disgusting in the things that we learn about him. Like, I mean, we already knew that he was terrible at, by this point in the book, but we learn even more messed up things um, when we get to chapter 17, but we will get there. Uh, we're not going to talk about that just yet, but soon. <laughs> so we'll take it back to the top of chapter 16. So Geralt gets back to Karak. Um, like I said in the summary, he got to Novigrad too late, so he just headed back to Karak. Um, we know, the reader knows from the previous two interludes that he wasn't at the auction and that Yennefer bought the swords through the dwarven banker Molnar, but we were left hanging from chapter 15 as far as what Geralt did after departing from the prophet, the, the, the prophet, I try to combine the word prophet Leviota, um, from the prophet Leviota boat ship. So... Last we saw from him, it looked like he was probably going to be too late, and then we were present at the auctions. So we know that he wasn't there, but we didn't know exactly what happened to him between the the Prophet Leviota situation with the Aguara and getting back to Karak. So uh, we now get that update. So he was too late, uh, but he still went to the auction house. He still went up to Novograd, still went to the auction house, and he was denied any information that could lead him to the seller or the buyer. And in fact, they wouldn't even tell him if the swords were brought there in the first place. So he's even more unsure about their fate. And I mean, we know that he should be getting them back soon. Yennefer is going to have someone get them and deliver them to Geralt. Um, but it's, it's still hard to not feel for Geralt and his disappointment and frustration here, like until he finally gets the swords back because we're thinking, you know what, just hold on a little bit longer, Geralt. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to get them back. But right now in this moment, he's just incredibly bummed about that. So after arriving back in Karak, he goes right to Coral's house where uh, he sees her novice. Her novice shows up. Um, Mosaic was her name. And she tells him that after a very difficult baby delivery, which is Coral's line of work as a reminder, uh, she still finds herself very busy with work, but Coral does show up. She um, steps into the scene and she tells Geralt that she'll meet him um, the day after tomorrow, not tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow. And she will quote unquote, tell him everything, which um, is peculiar because he wouldn't think that she would be telling him, oh, I've got updates for you. You would think she would want to know updates from Geralt since 
he's been doing a lot of things lately. Like he was sent to go see people that she knew. Um, so that was, that was something, but, uh, she leaves us hanging. She doesn't tell us what she's got to say. And then she sends him on his way to meet Dandelion, which he does next. And he gives Dandelion an update on what happened. And Dandelion tells him how his royal instigator cousin, Ferrant, hasn't had any leads on his stolen swords. And additionally, he's been uh, pestering Dandelion on Geralt's whereabouts because he wants to know if Geralt's still going to be a bod- bodyguard at King Bellahun's wedding. So that was something that um, Ferrant and Bellahun's son, Eggman, wanted Geralt to do, and he never really gave them a direct yes or no. Geralt was intending to not do it, but now he's considering doing it because he'll be compensated for the work, even though it doesn't look like they're going to get his swords back. He will get paid for the job, and he thinks he's going to need money to replace his swords. So Geralt and Dandelion are heading to grab some food, and on the way, Geralt runs into his horse. He runs into Roach. Uh, Until now, He thought that Roach would have been stolen or killed by wolves when he left her in Pine Tops after he teleported with Daggerlin, but she's been returned to him here by Algernon Gwynecamp, also known as Pinity, one of the two sorcerers from Risberg who hired him to catch the Energumen. So the how to the recovery of Geralt's horse strikes up this pretty lengthy discussion about what's happened with Risberg and Daggerlin since Geralt escaped. So I've said in the summary that Daggerlin dies at this point. We're still in chapter 16 though. Daggerlin dies in chapter 17. So right now Geralt's getting an update on what happened once he kind of sort of got caught. He got caught, but they didn't really the people at Risberg don't know exactly what he was doing. They don't know the full extent to what he was doing. Either way, um, let's let's go into those details now. So, uh, Pinity and Zara, the two guys that hired Geralt, they were summoned to Pine Tops, the scene of the crime where Geralt found Daggerlin. Uh, they were summoned there by the constable Torquil, the guy that Geralt was becoming pretty friendly with while he was patrolling those areas looking for the demon, um, which ended up turning out to be Daggerlin, of course. Um, so Torquil must have shown up to the scene right after Geralt was there, and then he saw the massacre, summoned them. And the two sorcerers saw everything and were left wondering why Geralt hadn't killed Daggerlin when he had the chance, a question that still plagues Geralt. For what harm would there have been in that? One more corpse in the statistics, Geralt thinks to himself. But Pinity says that um, they caught Daggerlin the next day after they saw everything that he did in Pine Tops. They caught him the next day while he was tearing apart some gang. So the odd thing here is, and I was kind of alluding to this a second ago, the odd thing here is that Pinity, like right now, like when he says this thing about how he saw him tearing apart a, a gang, and then later on in the discussion, he never acknowledges that Daggerlin was not really practicing Goetia and that he was using ogre troll crossbreeds to kill people. So if he ran into him while he was killing, then he surely knows that. He had to have seen it happening that way. So I think that maybe there could be some like political confidentiality reason for covering that up. But you'd think that he could at least acknowledge the true facts with Geralt, like someone that's not involved with Risberg and someone who also knows the facts, but he doesn't. Um, so we'll move on, but I am going to 
going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute once we go through this discussion chronologically and it comes up again. So um, he and Zara, Pinity and Zara, took Daggerlin back to Risberg when they when they caught him. And they brought him there and they were met with disapproval from their sorcerer associates because they sent a witcher after a comrade, which must have been out of envy for his talent and achievements. These people are ridiculous, these uh, sorcerers at Risberg, and it only gets worse from here. So and then this, this is the first glimpse that we get into. It's just the treatment of Daggerlin after what he's done to these innocent people. It's mind boggling. So they come to his defense, and they put the only two people that were trying to stop him in the hot seat. Uh, we do find out their motivation soon enough, though. Sorry I keep doing that whole thing where I say, like, oh, yeah, like, this is a, a thing about the story. But I'll talk about it more in a little bit. I've done that multiple times <laughs> already. Uh, hopefully that's the last one. But Daggerlin was taken uh, before the commission to be reprimanded. So they didn't let him off the hook completely, but he basically still got away with what he's been doing because his punishment is just... So <laughs> before the commission, he played the victim and swore that he would never practice Goatia again. And then when Ordolin, the guy that basically runs the show at Risberg, later came to his defense, they lent credence to him. And then Ordolin named Daggerlin his heir and successor, and he transferred his lab in the Citadel in this place called Mount Cremora to him, which the commission thought would be a good place for him to basically be on house arrest and think about what he's done since it's this inaccessible place. Um, yeah, he really, Daggerlin really had Ordolin wrapped around his finger. It's so ridiculous. And Ordolin's not a good guy either. Um, but that's a whole nother discussion that I won't get into right now. Uh, and then um, Penity explains that in the Citadel, he's explaining this to Geralt, that in the Citadel, Daggerlin will be under supervision and therefore he won't call forth any demon. And when he says this, Geralt thinks there never was any demon and you know that only too well. So even Geralt was thinking it. It's not, uh, it's not just me being pedantic here, Carol was thinking it too. So I'm not sure why Pinity would be pretending that there really was a demon. Like, I don't know what he's got to lose by acknowledging the truth here with Geralt. That was the one thing. Um, maybe not the one thing. Probably the one thing. I don't know. But that was something that I came out of these couple of chapters still not fully satisfied with um, the lack of understanding there. It's not even a big deal. It's a pretty small detail, but um, I mean, part of doing these podcasts is paying it, paying it very close, too much attention <laughs> to the ridiculously small details. So um, you'll have to forgive me for that, um, but we'll move on. So Penity then goes to warn Geralt that since Daggerlin is isolated and he imposes no real threat, Geralt would be arrested if he tried to murder him or if he just straight up completed a murder on him. So he advises him to just let it go. And then we're updated on Penity and Zara's employment status after these events unfolded. They were both asked to resign and they're never going back. So Zara is leaving to serve the king in Povis and Penity is going to Nilfgaard to work as a mage and fish in the pristine lakes. This guy really likes fishing, and apparently Nilfgaard's a great place for that. So 
That is what the future is at this moment supposed to hold for these guys. Uh, so they're not going to be involved with Risberg. And I think that's good because they seem like the only level-headed ones there. But before uh, Geralt and Penity conclude their conversation, the sorcerer gifts Geralt with a sword that he has no use for. He's a, like most mages, don't really need a sword that much. And uh, he... Uh, yeah, he, he, he said it's just been collecting dust. But it's from uh, Veroleta, just like the one that Dandelion acquired from the widow in the bank um, and then ended up breaking pretty quickly. Uh, so this one is real. This is an, an authentic Veroleta, don't know if I'm saying that word right, but whatever, um, blade that uh, Penity just gave to Geralt. And the way Geralt holds it and looks at it, you can tell this is... a very nice thing. He doesn't even want to accept it at first because it's too nice. But he gives it to him. He tells him um, he's giving him this sword because he likes them. He likes Geralt and he wants him to realize that not every sorcerer has it in for him. And you know what? I think I like Penity too. It's too bad that <laughs> this is where he leaves the story when you realize that he's actually an okay guy. Uh, yeah, he wasn't too bad, I guess, when Geralt met him, but... Geralt wasn't too fond of him right away, and I always just kind of side with Geralt. <laughs> Talk about bias. I'm very biased toward Geralt. I just love him. I feel like after how much I've read these books, I feel like Geralt's my friend. <laughs> A non-existent person is my friend. God, that sounds depressing. Okay, so before he leaves, he says that he's got to say goodbye to someone before he goes to Nilfgaard. And we know from the letters that they previously exchanged with one another that that someone is Quarrel. So then Geralt goes to find Dandelion, and he tells him he's got to leave right now, but he'll be back for the king's wedding. And he doesn't say where he's going, but we do find out in the next chapter, which we will cover after we cover the interlude in between these two chapters. So the interlude is a letter from the Risberg sorceress Baruta Icardi to the head of the chapter of mages. So she's trying to basically get ahead of the incidents that occurred with Daggerland so that the chapter most likely doesn't take any actions against Risberg or... You know, some, I'm sure that if they heard it from somebody else, then the story isn't going to be told and manipulated in the way that she does here. So she is making sure that she sends them this letter, and it's absolutely ridiculous. She mentions that Degerlin was responsible for the murder of around 40 local settlers, which is true. She acknowledges that. And right away, this is where the bias comes in. She refers to the victims as unschooled and very low in the social hierarchy who abuse alcohol and lead immoral lives, as if to say their lives weren't that important to begin with. So that's messed up. <laughs> then she tries to remind the letter's recipient that Daggerland is an outstanding scientist and has accomplished many great things for the development of the human race. So she's really trying to manipulate the chapter's perspective on this matter. The, the victims were low lives that won't be missed anyway, and the criminal is attributing to great things for the world, so we should just put this matter behind us. Like, let's not even worry about it. I think there's one point in the letter where she even says something like, oh, well, since this matter is already behind us, like she's just assuming that they're not going to care because of the way that she is... Uh, God, what's the word? The way she's... Um, like, I can't think of the word right now, but she's basically trying to alter their point of view on it so that they have a false perception. 
And as vile as this is, it also um, it proves the last point that she made about how Daggerland is so great. It proves what Daggerland told Geralt that he was able to trick his comrades into believing that he was way more knowledgeable and skilled in this magic science that they do at Risberg than he really is. So, yeah, not only did he have Ordolin under his thumb, but he definitely um, was able to trick everybody into believing that he is something that he's not. Like, that's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So then she says that uh, Daggerland suffers from bipolar disorder, but Risberg takes full responsibility for his care, and because of his temporary insanity, he just cannot take any criminal responsibility for what he did, and uh, he will be treated in a secret location. So once she's checked all the boxes with them, victims undeserving of sympathy, victimizing Daggerland, establishing that he's being treated, she then brings up Constable Turquil. Torquil. Sometimes I can get that name right and sometimes I can't. I don't know why. Tor Torquil. Whatever. <laughs> she brings the constable up and Geralt. So Torquil, as we saw through Geralt, was very very set on catching the, the one responsible for these crimes. And Risberg has become aware of this and they want to put a stop to it because they are trying to do whatever they can to avoid a scandal and they don't want him messing that up for them. So she says her, her approach to putting a stop to it is to persuade his boss to temper his enthusiasm, investigating his personal files and private life. I guess to exploit anything they can dig up to make him look bad. Like if he were to make them look worse, then maybe they can say like, oh, look, back in a, in 1219, he received a, a, a riding a horse while inebriated. So, he, I mean, can we really take what he says at face value? This guy is a criminal. This guy has bad judgment. Um, or maybe they also want to try to use that... Um, any of his personal private affairs um, to threaten him could be that too, or it could be either or. So, um, yeah, it's it's just disgusting. She also suggests that they contact um, the chapter contacts Codringer and Fen. So they're brought up. We're familiar with them already, and she cites a previous time that they used the services of Codringer and Fen to discredit and ridicule witnesses. She said it was in something called the Corn Affair, which there's no details given on what that is. But it sounds like they silenced witnesses to another crime. Like somebody did something wrong, something against the law, and they got these other witnesses to shut up. So that actually might be what they're trying to do with Torquil. But um, yeah, it's pretty messed up. And Codringer and Fenn, I mean, they would do that. That is definitely within the limits of their services, so it's not surprising. But the last thing she brings up is Geralt. She says that if he delves too deep into the matter, he ought to be silenced, and that he's currently under permanent surveillance, which is interesting, since we don't see any signs of that, but it must be true. Um, it's just the means to avoid a scandal here are disgusting. Like, they don't care about anybody innocent as long as it means they can keep doing their weird experiments at Risberg. I'm just glad that Geralt offended the, these mages when he went there. <laughs> they deserve way worse than that. Uh, 
But I mean, at least there was um, something where he laughed in their faces and they all got really mad. <laughs> okay. So we just heard that Geralt is under permanent surveillance. So that makes it a little bit wor worrisome for his well-being as we begin chapter 17 to find him doing exactly what she was afraid he would do, which is delving back into the matter of Deggerland. Our Witcher just can't let it go. He's always morally conflicted. And good thing, too, considering what we discover in this chapter. Someone needed to put a stop to this. And if Geralt didn't, I don't think it would have happened. Not soon, anyway. And more people would have suffered. So, he wants to find Daggerlin. So, he seeks out Constable Torquil to try and get info on Mount Cremora, the location of the citadel where Daggerlin now resides. So he finds Torquil as he's about to have his leg amputated after he and his men ran into Deggerlin and his crossbreeds and tried to fight them as they were killing and abducting people. So they were, they caught them killing people and they also saw them abducting some children. So in, in this whole process, he got shot with the hunchback's cross, crossbow that he seems to always have on him. And Geralt sees that he's about to have his leg amputated and he doesn't by that it's 100% necessary. So he sends the physician away who's about to cut his leg off and he pays him more than what the bailiff was going to pay him. And he has this old woman herbalist present help him patch up the wound. He uses his um, witcher elixirs to help heal the wound and then she takes over the rest. So Torquil starts raving because it's better than having your leg cut off, I would think. I mean, you still get to have a leg um, in this alternative, but it's really painful to having those elixirs poured over your badly um, m messed up wound. Um, so he waits outside while the herbalist continues to patch him up. And she finishes and she comes outside and Geralt finds out from her the info that he was looking for on Mount Cremora. But before he goes straight there, he's got to make a stop. So he goes to a cottage farm where there are little girls playing in the yard and a woman appears in the doorway and he tells her that he'd like to speak to Otto Dussart, the man of the house. And when she says he's not home, he says, that's okay. I'll wait. She invites him in. But this interaction is really suspicious until we finally know exactly what's going on because we're not given answers until he's been in this house for at least a few minutes. Um, or more so, she's suspicious of Geralt and... This whole time that he's there, it's just really uncomfortable. Like you feel the tension and his medallion is vibrating. So we know there's something off about this lady. We know that she's either a magic or a monster, um, even though she's showing suspicion of him. And it all makes sense once we get some answers. And the tension eventually comes to a head when one of the little girls attacks Geralt, transforming into a werewolf. And when she does, so does the woman and the rest of the girls. But before anyone gets hurt, Otto Dussart returns home and he announces to his family that he knows Geralt, they're friends. And I like this character a lot. So his wife, her name's Edwina, by the way, she knew that he was a witcher and she didn't know who Geralt was. Um, so she thought that somebody hired Geralt to kill Otto. She said that he reeks of blood. So Otto and Geralt go outside and so that Geralt can ask the favor of Otto that he came here to ask him. And Otto is more than willing to do Geralt a favor because one time Geralt was hired to take care of him in the previous town that Otto lived in. But because he never harmed anybody before, even in werewolf form, 
Geralt just told Otto's neighbors that, uh, the neighbors that hired him out, that he lifted the curse. She didn't, but he, that's what he told them because he realized that he was a good guy. And it's actually a pretty nice little story because Geralt also advised him to move out of that town because the neighbors were always just going to have this prejudice against him, even though they thought he wasn't a werewolf now. They used to think that of him, so it would just be kind of a complicated neighborly relationship. So so move out of the town. He did so. And then he met his werewolf wife and had little werewolf babies, and now they're a happy little werewolf family. So when they talk about Otto's wife again, Otto invites Geralt to dinner, and he says, uh, no, that's okay. I'd rather not impose. Your wife said that I stank of blood. Metaphorically, I understand. And Otto says, no, no, no. You absolutely reek of blood. And then he points out the blood that Geralt has come into contact with from two weeks to a month back, and he can even recognize its origins. Like, he identifies reptile blood that Geralt has come into contact with from the Vigilosaur that he fought at Pyro Pratt's arena a month ago. So this impressive display of his heightened and accurate sense of smell reminds Geralt what the favor was that he wanted to ask. And then... We cut to Otto and Geralt exploring the caves on the side of Mount Cremora, uh, per what the herbalist told Geralt about the mountain. So Otto is going in the caves, sometimes in human form, sometimes in lupine form, smelling them out to see what lies within, trying to get any kind of helpful hints about how Geralt can get inside the mountain, inside the citadel, and find Eggerland. So he's mostly smelling just bats and rodents, and one had um, one of the caves had trolls. One even had a gorgon that they had to slowly back away from. And um, after checking many caves and not finding anything interesting to Geralt, they check one more where Otto smells the urine of a house cat. Who had a pet cat? Sorrel Daggerlin. That's who. So this is where Geralt enters to get inside the lab that Daggerlin's been confined to. And he takes some elixirs before he enters alone. Uh, he goes alone because Otto doesn't know exactly what Geralt is up to, but something he smelled got him spooked. And he's going to just wait outside for Geralt, which is nice. He, um, Geralt said, "You like I, I don't expect you to come in. You don't even have to wait for me. I don't even know if I'm going to be coming out. And he's like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to wait for you. He's a bro. This guy, Otto, he's such a bro. I really like him. So Geralt makes his way through the cave, a rather complicated process, until he reaches a magically protected door that he only needs to whisper friend to for it to open. And at this point, he's inside and he heads towards voices until he comes across the source of the voices. And it's Bew and Bang, Daggerlin's ogre trolls. And this very difficult fight ensues. And I'll skip over the long details of the fight, but Pastor, the hunchback, shows up, crossbow equipped, of course, but the bolt misses Geralt and hits Bew. And Bang is already dead by this point. But Pastor hits Bew because Otto showed up. He ended up coming in anyway, transformed, and he attacked um, Pastor, causing him to fire the bolt in the wrong place. And this is the first time that he's ever killed anyone this Otto. Uh, but he showed up because he wanted to warn Geralt about what was in the next room that Geralt hasn't come across yet. And the contents of the next room were so unsettling that even Geralt took a step back. And you know Geralt's seen some stuff. He's, re he's, re he's really seen some things. 
So that's a, you, you know, it's got to be bad if it causes Geralt to take a step back. It was a pile of bodies. He couldn't even make out how many there were. They were cut up. Some of the skin was flayed off of them. Um, it was just downright disturbing. It doesn't end there. To no one's surprise, we see from this and more of what we're about to see that Daggerland's sadistic activities have not ended with his house arrest. So Geralt must continue on. So he heads up this spiral staircase until he reaches the lab. In the lab, he sees these specimen jars, specimen jars on shelves that hold things like eyeballs, other organs, and there's even a human head in one of them. And Geralt recognizes the head of the sorcerer Harlan Zara. I actually guessed when I read this chapter the first time and I read that line. And I read that um, because it, the way it was worded too, I, it was like leading up to it before it just outright said that it was Zara. Oh my God, it was done so well. Um, it said that it was a bald head and that only one sorcerer um, wore his wore his head bald. It, it said it in a much nicer way than how I'm repeating it right here because I didn't write down the quote. But um, yeah, it was... It, you, you knew who it was when it said something about a bald sorcerer. And then it said, um, evidently, Harlan Zara never made it to Povis. So Degerlin got him. I, I went, <gasps> when I read that. That guy was not very nice, but he was, like, him and Penitty were the only two at Risberg that weren't terrible, terrible people. So it was really crappy that that happened. So there's additional extremely disturbing things in the lab that I'm also going to skip over because it really makes me sick to think about. Um, if you're listening to this, though, I'm sure you've read it. So I think you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then and you really want to know, go read it. This is chapter 17 that we're covering in this moment. But um, it's very, very messed up. So Geralt continues through the living quarters until he meets Daggerland, who has some small gray creature that he calls Beta protecting him, probably another crossbreed. And Beta is equipped with a saber, and then he's told by Daggerland to attack. And this creature is really fast and skilled, but Geralt, especially with the elixirs, gets the better of him, and he kills him. And stupid Daggerland, instead of running, tries to conjure a spell to attack Geralt, but he's too slow, and Geralt gets to him and chokes him. And in a desperate attempt to live, Daggerlin begs for his life. He's trying to pass the blame on others like Ordolin and Baruta Cardi, but Geralt keeps choking him until he's gone. And then his kitty cuddles up to cuddles up against his body and looks at Geralt and he tells the cat, I had to. It was necessary. If anyone, you ought to understand. And the cat narrowed its eyes to indicate that it did. And that is how chapter 17 comes to an end. So, closing thoughts. I'm very glad that we are done with Daggerlin. Um, it's an interesting villain. Villains that are that evil, sometimes it's hard to really... It's just, they're, they're just so objectively evil. Like, I, sometimes I think like a... A good villain, I think the villains that a lot of people appreciate are those that you can sometimes understand. Not all the time. Like when someone's doing something evil, 
Like, you're, you're not going to think, like, oh, yeah, totally get that. Uh, but there was never a moment with Degerlin where you think, like, oh, I actually feel for him. Like, his background really messed him up. and It's nothing like that. Um, but, yeah, he was pure evil. Nothing to feel sorry for with this guy. Um, he deserved to die. <laughs> and uh, I honestly kind of wish he died in a worse way than that. That was too quick a death. And I believe it was the previous episode. It must have been where I talked about that guy, Nikifor Moose, the guy that stole Geralt's swords. And then he got um, his comeuppance when Yennefer turned all the money that he earned from the sword theft into crap. <laughs> um, and then he was pushed into a latrine and totally submerged in it. So um, that was good revenge. I thought that was fantastic revenge. But Daggerland, this was too fast for him. After all the pain and suffering he caused and the some of the other things that Geralt found in the lab that I didn't mention, he deserved worse. But he's not going to be doing anything to anybody anymore. So that is good. I mean, I'm glad that Geralt was the one that put a stop to all of his evil deeds, um, especially because he was warned about going there. So it was very risky that he got caught, um, that if he got caught, he would be arrested. So he could have just said, nope, I'm not risking that. Because uh, for all he knew, maybe it was true that, like what Penity said, he's under house arrest, he can't harm anybody there, he's supervised. I, I don't know if that was a lie, I don't know if Penity lied or somebody lied to Penity that he was being supervised or if he really was and the people that were supervising him were okay with killing all those people, like all the, the bodies they found there and all the other disgusting things or yeah, if, I don't know. We don't know for sure. So we can just kind of interpret it how we'd like. Okay. Looking ahead. Uh, hopefully there's no evidence that that'll lead to Geralt getting caught for the killing of Daggerlin. Um, they said that Geralt was under surveillance uh, by the mages, so it wouldn't be impossible, but it sure would suck if he got caught for that, uh, for bringing this um, criminal to justice. And uh, when's Geralt going to get his swords back from Yen? That's a plot that we've been... Uh, thinking about from the very beginning of the book, and it still has yet to be concluded, meaning it'll probably happen in, like, the last chapter, which is actually a, an answer <laughs> that I do know at this point. This section of this looking ahead segment of the podcast was actually pretty easy until I finished the book, and now I actually know what's going to happen, but... Like, these are kind of the thoughts that you would you would be wondering what's going to happen next as you come out of this this final chapter that we covered. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's just something that I was thinking about with the swords, with Geralt getting his swords back. Because there were so many subplots throughout this book. And I believe most of them, well, yeah, not all of them, but most of them have been satisfied by the end of chapter 17. But the one from the very beginning still has not um, yet to have been concluded. So we still got to wait for that one. But only uh, three chapters left after this. And like I said, I might do one episode per chapter. I don't think I'll group them, but I'll keep you updated on that. Okay, 
that's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining, and I will catch you in the next episode.